Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, our message is from Mark chapter 10, verses 28 through 31. Jesus was really on a roll in this chapter, saying surprising, even shocking things that the disciples wondered over. He was correcting misconceptions of just about everyone who spoke to him about things like marriage and divorce, the special place that children of God have in God's heart, and what is required to obtain eternal life. Well, he might as well continue. The rich young ruler had just left, dejected, because Jesus told him he'd have to sell off all his possessions and follow Jesus if he wanted to enter the kingdom of heaven. So Peter, now wide-eyed, asks the obvious question, what about us? Jesus uses the opportunity to point out again that God often evaluates things in a way that is completely opposite how the world evaluates things. How do you evaluate things? The world's way or God's way? Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, The First Will Be Last. Do you understand it's none of your business how God deals with someone else? What is your business is making sure you are faithful to what God has called you to do. It's not... It's not your job to fix anybody else. It's not your job to figure out what somebody else should do, should have done, could have done, might have done, or what they deserve. It's your job to be faithful. God, what have you asked me to do? Have I been faithful? That's what you can ask. To their complaining about not getting more, the question of the landowner is at the beginning of verse 15. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Now, you can be wronged in the world. I I get that. It'll happen. But you have a legitimate complaint only if someone defrauds you, if someone um, deals with you contrary to a contract, if someone deals with you unrighteously in some way, if someone harms you physically or financially or whatever, but that's the only time you have a complaint. Listen to what God says to you when you start complaining about how He deals with anybody else. There's a great parallel to this over in Mark chapter 9. This one has to do with the issue of the Jews and the Gentiles and has God broken His promises to Israel, and that's the context there. But let me read to you Mark 9, 14 through 16, and then down to Mark 9, 20. Paul writes this, What shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? May it never be. For He says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then, it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. And you go down to Mark 9.20. On the contrary, 
Who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, Why did you make me like this? Will it? Who are we to judge God? I hope many of you have committed to memory the two spiritual laws. A lot of people double up on it. They say there are four. I prefer two. Number one, spiritual law, God is God. Number two, you're not. (laughs) That's another way to summarize this parable. Now, to their envious spirit, the question comes in the last half of Matthew 20, verse 15. He says, Or is your eye envious because I am generous? Now, in this case, I... I like the most literal translation. It's very picturesque. I think the King James even translated it this way. Is your eye evil because I'm good? The evil eye uh, was a Jewish idiom for jealousy, looking with an evil eye. I I see that and I I, I want it. I, I want it for me. I deserve it more than you. To be envious because God blesses someone else is blatant sin. Because God is good. And He's good all the time. And He's good to you all the time. And if you're His child, He will cause every single thing to work together for good. Because you love Him, you are called according to His purpose. Now think about it. You might be going through a You might be going through a hard time. Maybe somebody in your family is breaking your heart with how they're dealing with spiritual things, how they're responding to you. Hey, listen, does God need to give you every blessing that He ever chooses to give someone else in order for you to trust Him? Don't you think He's at work in your life even in the rough time? Do you really think God is evil if you don't get your every wish? Or if somebody else gets something better than what you get? So, after this story, after this parable, Jesus goes back and says why He spoke the parable. It's to illustrate what He meant in Matthew 19, verse 30, which is the same as Mark chapter 10, verse 31. Thus, Matthew 20, 16, thus, in this way, as I just explained to you, as I just illustrated, thus, the last shall be first and the first last. Or as Mark puts it, many who are last shall be first and the first last. So, Peter asks... What's in it for me? What's in it for us? We left everything. We saw what the kingdom of heaven is like from the parable. And now thirdly, I call it, so you should. Let's make some applications. Now the main principle revealed here in this parable is that many who appear to us, uh, many who seem to us to be headed for prominent positions in the kingdom of heaven are not actually going to come out on top. Some might even not get in like the rich young ruler. And conversely, there are many who don't look like front runners to us 
and they're going to be rewarded greatly. You see, blessings in the kingdom of heaven are the result of the sovereign acts of an all-knowing God. He's not only all-knowing, He's always just. He is always fair, maybe not by our definition, but ours is sin-cursed. God always knows more than you and I know, and He knows the motives, not only the actual actions. He knows the intentions of the heart like He knew the heart of the rich young ruler. Your king is righteous. He is sovereign. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. And His rewards might be quite different from what you and I might anticipate based upon our sin-saturated, finite, earthly vantage point. So let's make a few applications, if you will. First one, this is pretty obvious, God's judgments are not always what you think. Mark 10.31, but many who are first will be last on the last first. Um, Many is the word that helps me not just say the point of this is everybody ties and we all get into heaven on the same basis. Yes, we do, but there's more than that. In many cases, we would judge wrongly. And if you think of this in the the context of Jesus' life and what was going on in the world of Judaism, remember, many Jews are going to be surprised at what happens with the Gentiles. And when Jesus returns, and there are going to be people from every people, tongue, tribe, and nation in the kingdom, a lot of Jews are going to be surprised by that. They wouldn't have thought so. Here's another application. Be careful not to judge what is truly successful. Um, Our society is really bad at deciding what's good, what's successful, what ought to be rewarded. We love worshiping superstars and personalities in in every arena of endeavor. We have to have the the greatest of this and the hall of fame of that and the the all-conference, all-league, all-world, all-whatever, and a bunch of sappy doctrinally starved, feelings-driven Christians are all over television and radio and the, and the so-called Christian entertainment industry falling right into step with our world. Christian entertainment industry, is that not an oxymoron? Christianity is not about entertainment. What is Christian entertainment? Don't we delight in the Lord? Uh, do we need to be entertained into the kingdom? Do we, be, do we need to be wooed by the right kind of music to, to get in the right mood, to feel the right way, to come to the Savior? I, I don't think so. Judge what is spiritually successful by what the Scriptures say is spiritually successful. Now, I stand up here and week after week, my voice falls on a lot of ears. You might think, well, that's what it means to be spiritual. Trust me, it's not. And it might give you a heart attack to do what I do in front of church. I know how much most people love public speaking. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.